All right, welcome in the damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Back again with another episode as the Beavers get ready to take on Boise State. And I'll tell you, Angie, I got to admit on the, uh, admit this. I'm just a couple days. I'm about a week away. Uh, it's been a week long, I should say, since I uh, came back from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm still recovering. Yes, tell me. I, I want to hear. I mean, I know you got to see Coach Riley. You got You were on the field. What was the experience like in Lincoln? Um, it was badass. And I had a couple of people tweet me that are Beaver fans, which, by the way, thank you for listening to the podcast, tweeting me. I love it. I love the interaction. But I had a couple of people tweeting me, why are you going to Nebraska? Oregon State has a home game. And my, my feeling was this. I've always wanted to go to Nebraska. It's a bucket list. Oregon State is playing Idaho State. They won by 30. They should have won by more. Uh, I didn't need to see that game to learn anything. I think this weekend's game is going to tell us a lot about Oregon State. So I thought it was a great kind of chance to go to a bucket list place. My co-host is a Duck fan, so of course I showed up and I was rocking Nebraska gear. Got on the field. Mike Riley sees me. Hey, Brandon, how you doing? Glad you made it, et cetera. Uh, I'll tell you right now, if you ever get a chance to go to Lincoln, Nebraska for a game, I don't care who the head coach is, who's playing, et cetera, do it. It's 90,000 people on top of a football field going insane, the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and, man, do they love college football. Tailgating was good then? Tailgating was awesome. My co-host has family from Nebraska, so we stayed with them. They're all Cornhusker fans, Uh, good eats, tons of booze. I was so hammered before that game (laughs) even started. Um, And just a good time. You know, I've never been in a louder environment in college football, and I've been to some good ones. But that place, uh, it just overwhelmed me with the energy and and the and the sound and the sights. It was when you think college football. If you say first thing that comes to your mind when you say the words college football, for me, it's it's probably going to be Memorial Stadium. That good, huh? Yeah, it was really that good. But uh, it's a good trip, of course. Obviously, a good trip for a lot of Beaver fans out there because you want the Ducks to lose, and they did. Big well, that was the biggest uh, the biggest ovation I heard, or the biggest cheering I heard the whole entire day was uh, when they announced that final score in Reeser. Okay, I didn't I didn't want to bring this up. Can we talk about that? We can. Um, it was pretty quiet in Reeser. I I mean, yeah, it was Idaho State. It was kind of rainy, dreary, but yeah, look, it was I, quiet. Yeah. Okay. It better it better it better be shaken this Saturday. That's all I've got to say. Well, you know, because I'm, I'm from afar, so all I'm doing is I'm tracking tweets. I saw a lot of your tweets during the game, kind of a score update, seeing what's going on. And I saw that tweet of second loudest ovation outside of Tristan Deku's pick six was the announcement of Oregon losing. And, and look, I, I get it. Like, you don't like the, the program. I, I get it. I really do. Why is that the second big ovation? Like, what about the entrance to the players coming in and you're opening a new season in year two in Gary Anderson? Why is it not uh, a touchdown pass? Why Why is that the second biggest thing? Like, isn't that... Can we just agree that's a little embarrassing? Like, if, if I were to tell you there's two rival schools and a lot of the fans hate one school because of the flashiness and the money and et cetera... And then I told you the other school calls uh, their rival the little brother. And then I said, hey, the school that hates the other one for being flashy and stuff, their biggest ovation or second biggest ovation at their game was the announcement of the other team losing. If you're really honest with yourself, is that not a little brother thing to do? Oh, yeah, completely. So why the hell are we still doing that? Yeah, I don't know. Like, who cares if that team wins or loses? Like, you care about them winning or losing. 
when you play them, like move on. Who gives? I, I, just, I think there's a lot of people that are still very tied to Coach Riley and his staff, and so to see them get the win, I like I said, I don't know if it was some. I mean, there was some. I think of that of yeah, the Ducks lost, but I think there was some of good for Coach Riley, Coach Banker, you know, the whole crew. James Rogers. I was up in the press box, and you saw they showed right at the as time expired. James Rogers giving Coach Riley a big hug. Yeah. So um, you know, there's some ties there. But uh, I agree that the entrance, that could be a whole other topic because I'm really not a fan of this whole featuring the fans kind of thing. I, I have no idea about the entrance thing that you're talking yeah. about. I heard about it and I saw a little clip of a video, but I, I don't know. like what. It what's... didn't fire me up at all. It, it really didn't get me, you know. Like... Is a video, it's the video they play? Yeah, video. And, you know, the tickets, the parking passes, they all have just pictures of fans. And nothing against these people that are posing. That's awesome. You're a fan, but... <laughs> I don't know who the hell you are, and you're on my football ticket. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's it's a different a different take. Um, you know, and I get it. Oregon State wants to celebrate the fans that are sticking with them, but yeah, just it didn't do much to totally get me jazzed up. Yeah, I'm kind of curious from from listeners, and you can always tweet this stuff to us uh, after you hear the podcast. But I, I saw Tim Ewis, you know, famous tight end, uh, still lives in the Corvallis area, diehard fan. Great alum, one of the best people I've met. You know, he tweeted something really interesting of basically saying Research Stadium has an identity crisis. Like, it's just at a, a weird point where, you know, fans want, all we hear about is what fans want, right? They want a contender. They want their program to be good again. They want Gary Anderson long-term, better recruits, etc. But at some point, you have to stop saying we want and actually show that you care. And I think based on what I saw from him, is just that, you know, the attendance was kind of sparse, the energy level, like even on 10, 12-yard gains in most stadiums, those are big ovations, meh, kind of in research stadium. So I'm just curious from somebody that was just at the Idaho State game, and I know this weekend might change because of the opponent, uh, do you think it's just the opponent, or do you do you kind of buy into that, that maybe there's like an identity crisis right now for Beaver fan that goes to these games? I don't think there's an identity crisis. I think wins solve a lot of a lot of things. I mean, this is a team that was two and ten last year. They had, you know, they they've struggled flat out, struggled, and wins solve a lot of that. You know, I mean, this is you know we're in an age now where football's on. You can catch any game you want on TV. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You know, it's rainy, cold, so the fans need to have a product on the field that they want to go and watch and cheer for. So um, I don't see that as an identity crisis. I see, you know, some of it, I, I guess, maybe what he was referring to, too, is, you know, this whole wear orange on this day or wear white on this day. And yeah. Somehow, I don't know how, like, Boise State and all these other schools seem to figure it out, but Beaver fan can't. But um, what, what day was it? Was it wear white? It was wear white day. And, and to be fair, I, I know a lot of, we had a big discussion in, in the lodge at Beaver Blitz that, you know, people were like, well, I wore white, but my, it started raining and my rain gear's black. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So it makes sense. So, you know, maybe you just say Oregon State fan, like, like Nebraska? They wear red. Yeah. No, Period. they day, always wear red. Yeah. So, you know, maybe instead of trying to get cutesy with it, maybe mm-hmm. Oregon State just needs to say fans wear black or fans wear orange. Yeah. Call it call it what it is and then leave it and quit trying to be like, okay, we're going to wear black on this day and we're going to wear mm-hmm. you know, purple nope. polka dots this day. So, you know, I remember when I was in college, Angie, and I, I don't know if it was kind of the same thing for you there, but I remember being in college where they'd be the one game of the year um, that they do like the blackout. And, and that was obviously, there was a controversial thing with the student paper when I was there about that. But like, 
they would schedule the one game a year of, all right, we're going to wear all orange, we're going to wear all white, all black, et cetera. And then I like got through college, and it was kind of the same deal. And then I want to say the last two or three years, it was like this push of what you're saying of like, no, this game's orange, this game's black. And it's like, why? Why do you need to do that? Have your one game where you want to plan a color, but we're not Penn State. We're not one of these schools that... You know, we're we're going to every single time rock out like we have black gear, we have orange gear. Some of us maybe have white beaver T-shirts. Just let us wear what we want to wear for ninety percent of those games. Yeah, and that's that's why I think you just stick with say you know fans wear orange every game. Yeah, or black. I mean, it looks pretty cool when you do a blackout. But no, Brandon, I'm old. When I was a student, you know, we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> Parker, no, I can Parker, tell you Parker Stadium. When I was a student, we Parker had that Stadium. big. It was Parker Stadium, and mm-hmm. they had the big berm on that side. And it was just the student side. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you could flash your ID card, get in for free, and they would let you bring your et soda cups in from mm-hmm. the Superette market. And let me tell you, there was it wasn't just Mountain Dew and, and uh, Hawaiian Punch in those cups. I was going to say, was it just mainly vodka in those cups? And, uh, I mean, this, you know, that was... The fraternity next door would go and uh, save seats, and you'd go, and you would were right there, front and center, and a lot of you know, run up the middles. It was it was that triple option wishbone, yeah. pedibone, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was there were some fun times there. <laughs> Jack and Coke, please hold the Coke. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> so, to yes, we had a lot of fun, and you know, you could basically pick your seat wherever yeah. you wanted to sit. Um, no, it was. I mean, I went to all the games and. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fun. So we got a lot to get to here on the podcast today. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Boise State game. I think it's huge. Uh, and I know some people might think this is going to be a blowout. Boise State is a really good football team. But uh, I think there's a curiosity factor here of it's year two. Um, I, I've been adamant on the podcast, on my radio show. I don't think this is a bowl team for Oregon State. But, you know, competitive-wise, I, I think they can be right up there and give a lot of teams some games. Is Boise State one of those programs? So we're going to get into that. We'll answer some of your damn questions as well. Um, but I kind of wanted to start with the non... Well, I guess it's not non-football news, but the the news away from the football field uh, that Todd Stansberry left Oregon State. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. He left at like 5 a.m. Pacific time uh, for Georgia Tech. He's going to be the new AD there. So now Oregon State's looking for an athletic director. Yeah, and I've seen all these people, like, so he's been at Oregon State, I think, 14 months, a year and a half, something 15, like that. 15, yeah. 15. Um, people are kind of freaking out about it, you know. Is, I, one of the damn questions is, is Oregon State now a dumpster fire? And Okay, I would think differently if this was something that just some better job popped up. This is his alma mater, people. Mm-hmm. He played football for Georgia Tech. I mean, this is like his passion. Um, I saw a tweet today, James Dockery has already said, hey, I want to be the next AD. I won't leave until 2056. You know, as a, as a, I mean, alumni is, is one thing. You know, you're, you're an alumni. You have a passion for your university. But when you are a former athlete, I think that passion is, like, elevated maybe even more so. So I don't think anybody can fault him for taking this job. It, I mean, the one job that could pull him away, the timing sucks. But mm-hmm. other than that, I think it's, you know, a great move. And, you know, now Oregon State really needs to go out and uh, – you know, get a home run higher. Yeah, I talked to Dockery about that because he called me this morning after he had tweet, tweeted that stuff out. And he's like, man, I'd love to do it. And I'm like, well, you need a master's and people tend to... <laughs> There's a few 
two things you might need there. He's but, like, why um, can't you just hire me and I'll get that Deering? We'll be okay. Just let me get that gig. And he he was serious about. It. He really wants oh, to totally be serious. wants to be him, the I athletic said, director. I said, director. you know, are you gonna are you gonna like get the West Side done and, and press box going to be awesome? He said, best <laughs> in conference. And yes, we as Beaver Nation need to band together. Well, look, I I kind of tend to be with you. Of you know, I people freaking out. I don't think you need to freak out. I mean, I like Stansberry, but what did he do? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't mean that as a slight when I ask that. Uh, I think he picked up with Bob DeCareless left off. They were already going to remodel Valley Football Center before he got there. All the coaches had been put in place. Scott Ruick, Casey, Anderson, Tinkle, etc. Didn't make any substantial hires. I'll give him credit for like the uh, the whole moving forward with the ideation team and all that stuff. But really, if you're honest, like he didn't really do much for your school in the 15 months. Who knows what he'd do in like two, three years? But that's that's no longer going to be an option. So he move, he moves on. I'm not. I don't think you can be mad at him. That is his alma mater. Uh, I just wonder, and I've kind of been thinking about this all day. I, I don't think it has anything to do with coaches in terms of where you go. People keep talking, and I've seen this on Twitter. Like this next hire, it should be about the relationships with the coach. First of all, if you can't hire an athletic director that half the coaches like, you're an idiot. Like it's, exactly, that's exactly. not hard to do. Sit these candidates down. You'll have these coaches in, and they'll tell you, "Don't like the guy, like the guy, don't like the guy, like him." That's not a hard part. That's the most overrated thing I've heard of this whole new athletic department search. For me, the focus is on financials. Exactly, and and raising money. Yes, you need an athletic director that's not so much about hiring and firing of coaches right now as you need an athletic director that has the gift of gab. You, you need, need a, a Mitch gu- Barnhart, yes. you need a Greg Byrne. Yes, you, need you someone do. Like that. You need a guy that's going to go in, or a, or a woman, I don't care. You're going to go into... Well, Brandon, I, I was going to tell you, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be throwing my, my hat in the ring there. Well, if you need an assistant, you just let me know. <laughs> you just let me know. Okay, okay. I'll back you, totally back you. But Got it. Go get that person, go to these foundation dinners, go to these you know public gatherings where fans who don't have to pay show up, Give these speeches, have a likable personality, and have the ability to, for lack of a better example, be Bernie Sanders. You know, Bernie Sanders doesn't have the financial backing of corporations, right? But programs in this conference do. You're not one of them. So go get the $27 from every person, build it up that way, get the west side of the stadium finished, and worry about the financial details and trying to stay you know, within shouting distance of the arm race that you're always going to be involved in in college athletics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, you know, my, my biggest thing is they need to hire someone that can raise money, bottom line. Now, I mean, do you go make a play? It. I mean, that's, you know, people will complain about what Bob DeCareless did, and, but you look at what he did as far as developing people. Mm-hmm. There are ADs everywhere at small schools, but, um, you know, Matt Aaron's at Albion. Nate Pine is at Holy Cross. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of them out there. Do you go with a guy like that? You know, a smaller school guy, maybe try to, you know, not that it has to be someone that's been at Oregon State before. Um, you know, one name that I've kind of heard bantered back and forth a little bit is Scott Barnes at Pitt, which uh, came from Utah State. Uh-huh. So, you know, does that relationship with Gary Anderson, he's only been at Pitt kind of about the same amount of time as as, as Stansbury's at Oregon State. Does that relationship come into play? They did big facilities at uh, Utah State. So, you know, is that something? Do you go make a play at in-conference at a Greg Byrne who grew up in Oregon? His wife's from Oregon. Do you yeah. try to lure him? That would take a, a ton of money, but 
you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. Yeah, the burn thing, I, I know that's going to get thrown out there because of what you mentioned, the local tie. Um, I tend to believe, and I've met the guy twice, I've talked to him twice, uh, I know people that have really good relationships with him. I'm not breaking any news here, I just tend to believe that's not realistic. Like, Yeah, I, yeah. I think he really legitimately wants to build and continue to do what he's doing at Arizona. I know they're struggling in football right now, but they are just two years removed from the Pac-12 title. You do have Sean Miller and that great basketball program there. Tucson's a great city. Uh, he's already been poked and prodded to try to get away by programs like Florida, and he said no thank you to that. Um, so I just have a hard time believing Greg Burns a realistic possibility. But there was there was one name that a listener texted into my radio show today that I was really glad he did because it was perfect timing doing the podcast. And this is some somebody that you're familiar with, somebody you just brought up. Uh, Nate Pine at Holy Cross, and yeah, that was one that was brought up that like kind of goes over your head because you forget about a guy like that. But I don't think Oregon State like this whole notion that you got to have this big name. You don't. You really don't. You, you just need the right guy. Don't worry about the big guy. Worry about the right guy. And somebody like Nate Pine, who has some Oregon State ties, understands what it's like, but has also been away from it. Uh, I think a hire like that, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, Mark Roundtree at Portland State. You know, he spent time at Oregon State. Um, gosh, there's a bunch, and I, the name is escaping me now. But he was the head of fundraising and went to Stony Brook. Oh, he came from UCLA. Helbert. Helbert. Or Hybert. Uh, what is his name? Sean something. Hilbron. Sean Hilbron. Hilbron. Yeah, that's yes. what it was. He's so a nice guy. There's another name that uh, somebody had thrown out to us earlier in the day. So um, that's another intriguing one. He has the US, UCLA ties. He's a West Coast guy. There is there is one name I wanted to bring up on the podcast that I didn't get a chance to today earlier, uh, and I know it's a name on social media that seems to gather steam when this topic has come up now. This is going to be the second time in 15 months, and, and that is Mark Masari. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I know that's a name for a lot of people. All I'm going to tell you is, and again, this has no, there's no personal, I don't have any personal ties to this. This is just information I gathered. That's not as realistic I think as people think it is. Um, there's this idea out there, and I think a lot of this has to do with social media. So not everybody out there listening to this is necessarily on social media, but Twitter. You know, Twitter is a hell of a drug. Twitter can show us of something that is a big topic, and when you go talk about it with your coworkers, nobody knows what you're talking about because it was Twitter famous. Yeah, I yeah. tend to believe, based on people I've talked to, I could be wrong, maybe he gets the job, but based on people I've talked to, that's kind of the thing with him is he's Twitter famous. A lot of people know him because he tweets a lot. He interacts a lot. People like the guy. I personally never met him, but based on what I've heard, that's not as big a possibility as people think it is. So, yeah, and that's just it. I mean, he, he has, you know, he has ties. He went to, you know, he went off from Bobby D and went to, uh, to UC Santa Barbara. So yeah. um, he's been an AD. It, it, the Nate Pine thing so cracks me up because Nate was the Medford fundraiser for Beaver Athletics uh, Scholarship Fund back when I was the Portland fundraiser. Yeah, somebody told me you have a really good relationship with him. In fact, I think it was somebody that went to school with him. Uh, that There was a listener that brought it up, and they said, yeah, him and Angie, I think, know, know each other pretty well. You should ask her about it. And I wanted to bring that name up to see kind of how you felt about that one. But He's got the experience in Oregon State. He's doing his thing at Holy Cross. They just had that NCAA tournament appearance uh, this season and surprising everybody being the sub-500 team. Uh, is that a name that if he were to come in, Beaver fan would be okay with? Yeah, you know, I don't think – I think a lot of people would not 
maybe be familiar with the name. I, you know, I haven't kept in touch with Nate that much since he left. Um, and I don't know what kind of facilities type stuff, but you know, he has the fundraising background and that always, like we talked about, that's going to be huge. Yeah. So the, uh, the athletic department looking for their new director is Todd Stansberry, uh, leaves Corvallis for Georgia tech over under, I don't know. I, I can like the Machado Dockery Sprague ticket. <laughs> The tandem, the, the the trio, the trio, yeah. Three of us, we could run that department. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Set me up with a nice quaint house in Corvallis, Oregon. I liked living there. It wasn't that bad. Local boys for lunch. I mean, I, come on. I could do that every single day. Oh, over <laughs> under a month and a half before they announce a new hire. You oh, th- I'm going to say over. You think they extend this one out to try to find that right person? I, I do. Yeah. It's kind of bad timing, you know, right in the middle of football season. Yeah. So I think over. Okay. I wouldn't be shocked to see them maybe name a interim for the time being and, and then go from there. Okay. I could see that as well. Uh, I just hope they choose the right person. Gift of gab. It's not about coaching yeah. to me. It's the gift of gab. Get people to start uh, donating that money. Agree completely. Um, what's real quickly before we get into Boise State? By the way, we'll also mention the, uh, the Phil Knight tournament thing. A lot of Beaver fans pissed about the Beavers being left out of that thing, which is next year, and also the Nike relationship. I got some really interesting information from Andy Katz of ESPN. Um, so we'll talk about that on this podcast as well. But let's get real quickly before we go to the Boise State game. Um, the Idaho State game. What's what's a couple of things that stood out from from you uh, about that game? Underwhelming, I think, would be the one word that came. You know, when we we spoke last week, Brandon, you were talking about we wanted to see some dominating performance. And while that game was never, I never felt that the Beavers were going to lose that game. I didn't see, you know, this dominating performance. Now that being said, I went back and I watched the game a couple times. And I have friends that have watched it and, you know, called me and talked. We've hashed through it a couple times. It was a very, very vanilla game plan. So um, I I do. I think, you know, this Boise State game is going to be huge because it can't be vanilla. And we're going to see, you know, after Minnesota, though, you know, we come back and we're all kind of excited. Like, okay, this team's making progress. And then we take – it felt like a step backward with Idaho State. Yeah. So this Boise State game, there's no time to be vanilla – we're going to see the playbook, and they have to, you know, they have to execute. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is you win by thirty. Uh, I thought it sure, for sure should have been like a fifty to seven game. So they, I think you're right in the underwhelming department in different areas. The offensive line continues to struggle. The run game sucks. Um, but it's funny because somebody, uh, somebody told me it's like kind of weird if I told you, but also kind of true. More impressed with the loss at Minnesota than I was the win against Idaho State. Oh no, like, completely, that's 100%. a hundred percent point. That's a sneaky good point. No, completely. You know, I, I I watched that Minnesota game and I did. I, I was like, I mean, I called for a win in that game before the game. I was like the only person in the you the were planet. you were right. I'll give you credit on that one. But I I walked away from that game going, okay, this team is so much improved. And then you know we watch. I mean, this was a team Idaho State that only gained 96 yards total for their game against Colorado. Yeesh. Yeah, so um, that made me, you know, the, the defense, while they had some amazing, you know, turnover takeaways, they also, it was kind of that bend, don't break. They yeah. would, you know, chew up yards, chew up yards, chew up yards, and then they'd throw a pick. Yeah. So, um, no, this, is, this game is huge. So I'm hoping that that was just a, you know, we're not up for this game and it's Idaho State and we can be vanilla and we'll see the real real team. Not not that I expect this team to, you know, go breaking records this year, but you know, like we've talked about, it it should be a, you know, 3-4-5 win season. 
Well, and I know conference games, and I get the Civil War and all the other rivalry conference you know matchups. This is the biggest game in Gary Anderson's career. In year two, uh, you lost to Minnesota. You beat Idaho State. Year one, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty confident. Some people, if not most, didn't have an expectation. weren't really sure what to expect. They have predictions, but they're really not sure the expectation. And I think that played out pretty quickly last year. This is the biggest game for him. I mean, this is, you know, it's year two. It's not that you have to win. It's really not about that for me. Where are you at? I I, I just want to see that. I think that's the tough part for me to decipher is the Minnesota game. Yeah, they played well. They almost won that game. I maintain they should have won that game. They just had too many costly errors and mental mistakes. But I also don't know what Minnesota is going to be this year. So until that plays out, I, I still think there's a little bit of a question mark around that. Boise State, I've seen them beat Washington State. I've seen the start that they've had. Uh, They're always a consistent good program. Where are you at? You know, even if I don't have you as a bowl team this year, show me where you're at as a program in that progression. Exactly. And and it's it's a great measuring stick. Yeah, I I absolutely think it is. I mean, you think about Boise State, uh, there are elements of this team, because I've read a lot about them this week, there's elements of this team that I think you could absolutely take advantage of, and Vegas basically thinks this is going to be a blowout. They've got Boise State by 13 and a half at Corvallis. I mean, look, Boise State is a good team. It's not that they're not deserving of a spread like that, but that's ba- that's basically Vegas's way of saying you're not even on the same field as this program. Yeah, no, exactly, and I, I don't think it's going to be that close or that that big a spread. Really. Well, but I'm basing that off of the Minnesota game, and I'm I'm the one that's saying that Idaho State was an anomaly. Where do you think these you would you would have an answer to this question? How close are these two teams in terms of talent based on recruiting? Well, that I mean that's a great question because you know there's a lot of guys on Boise State that Oregon State has passed on over the years. You know, I, I look at like Jeremy McNichols. I, I saw him at a camp that Oregon State did down um, in Los Angeles several years ago. This is a kid that loved Oregon State and Beavers passed on him. There's been several of those guys. Yeah, they did go after Rippon. He chose Boise State. But, yeah. um, you know, talent-wise, and granted, this is going back to, you know, a staff ago, but there's a lot of guys on that roster that are going to say, we want to go beat the heck out of Oregon State because they didn't want to give us a shot. But is it is it fair is it fair to say, even though Boise State's clearly the better team thus far this season, is it fair to have an expectation that you're almost neck and neck talent wise, though, or is that still too soon in your opinion for Gary Anderson? I think that's too soon because Gary Anderson is having to change the entire system. You know, if this was comparing, you know, Coach Riley, all of Coach Riley's guys that he's been recruiting for ten years against, you know, Boise State with their system in place, this is, you know, Coach Anderson in year two trying to compete with some of his guys, some of Coach Riley's guys trying to create his system against a Boise team that's had their system in place for years. So um, I I don't think it's really fair to try to compare those two. Yeah, and Boise State, I think, is going to be an interesting matchup to see what Oregon State's going to do offensively Um, because for all the concerns about the ground game against Idaho State and even against, really, Minnesota, they basically got bubble screens that were, you know, as much a run as you could possibly get without handing the ball off. Uh, Boise State's no slouch on run defense. I was looking up their stats. They're only allowing like 60 yards on the ground. And I know you could point to Wazoo and say, you know, Wazoo helped them a ton with that because they only threw it like 90 times. But you still have to look at them. And and based on what we've seen thus far in their schedule, they're 2-0. You're only giving up 60 yards on the ground. 
Uh, I think that leaves you a little concerned if you're a Beaver fan because you basically haven't been able to establish a run even against the likes of an Idaho State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, that game. And see, my other thought is, does Boise State overlook Oregon State after that? See, I don't, see, basically, uh, based on what you just said uh, about the recruiting and everything, I think there is 0% chance that this Boise State team is overlooking OSU. I agree. I mean, how many of those kids, you just mentioned some of them, but how many more kids that you didn't name ended up close to maybe trying to walk on or they were borderline scholarship players for an OSU program that ended up at Boise State? Exactly. You know what I mean? That chip on the shoulder. Yes, and now you come into Corvallis, you come into Reeser, this is your moment to to give basically the big middle finger to the entire program. Uh, they're, they're a really well-coached, well-disciplined team. I, I don't think there is any chance whatsoever that they're overlooking this Beaver team. Yeah, and I we, we ran a Ask the Expert feature with Scout's publisher over um, broncocountry.com, and that was I, I asked him that question. He said, no, absolutely not. They are not overlooking this game at all because they think any Pac-12 opponent is a huge opportunity yes. for them. Yes, this is, I mean, you know this as well as anybody. This is where they thrive, Angie. This yeah, is, it is. The kids on the on the team, it's their revenge. And then even for the coaching staff, zero chance they let them look over this because this is their chance now to come into Oregon, play on Fox Sports 1, and say, look at us, Boise State. You think we're a joke or you think we don't belong with some of these big boys. They get a handful of these games every few years where they'll have an Oregon State, a Washington State. I know Oregon State's not great right now, but you'll get a Washington State, Oregon State. One year you'll have a Georgia. Like They mix this thing up to the point of this is their Super Bowl. They want to win their conference, but this game means everything to the coaches and players. Well, I've also heard some of their fans talking that this, this could be one of their undefeated seasons. This could be one of their big runs. Well, and that kind of puts a whole wrinkle into the college football playoff as well. And you argue exactly. the conference isn't great that they play in, in the Mountain West, but are the non-conference wins going to be enough for them? Um, but they beat, I think, the Cougars by 30, 31-28, I think was the final score to that one. Um, I, I don't know. And I, I think another difficult part, too, for this game, it's not just the ground game I think you got to have a concern for. What's Daryl Gerritsen going to be like? He was a little off for the Idaho State game. I went back and watched that when I got home from Nebraska. Uh, not quite his usual self, or at least the self that we saw versus Minnesota. Uh, I kind of wonder what he's going to be like, because I'll tell you right now, for as good as they are in rush defense, they are equally the opposite uh, on passing defense. I think in the Mountain West, they're somewhere dead last, if not second to dead last. They give up 330-plus yards through the air. So how good's Daryl Garrettson going to be? Well, you know, my my thing watching that game again was, Garrettson just was off. I, I don't know. It, it looked to me like the timer in his head was, I think he was, he was running scared just from the, the lack of pass protection, I think, with Minnesota. I mean, he was knocked on his butt so many times, and it, it just needs to settle down, trust his line, and uh, you know, make those throws. He had several overthrows, a couple he underthrew. But you look deep in some of those plays. If he just would have made that last, you know, last read, Victor Bolden was open yeah. several, several times. What's going on with Jordan Villeman? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ever since he got remember uh, Minnesota, he got that targeting. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's dealing with head injury. Yeah, but he's been. It seems very tentative to me. Yeah, he did toss a great block though that uh, sprung Bolden for that uh, ninety-two yard. Well, this is a guy that you know preseason we talked about this team and 
you preview different position groups. He was one that I kind of looked at and I said, man, if he can come on the scene this year and play up to the size and the potential that he's kind of has for a lot of people, don't don't sleep on him being one of those guys that says, ah, I'm just going to try for the NFL and I'm not going to come back for my final year at Oregon State. And I'll tell you right now, I don't even know if the CFL would want him. He has had yeah. a rough start to his season. Yeah, and I think we see more Timmy Hernandez, uh, Trevon Bradford this week. Uh, they've been practicing a lot more with the first first unit. So, um, you know, the other name that we haven't seen really anything from is Hunter Jarman. Yeah, where the hell has he been? He disappeared. Totally disappeared. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff going on. So you don't think it's going to be a two-score win versus Boise State? Um, I don't think so either. If I was betting money, I'd actually take Oregon State – and the points, um, I, I think you're giving them 13 and a half. Uh, I, th- I think it could be a 10-point loss. Yeah, I could see that. But you know, here's my whole f- point, though. If you think it's less than the two scores uh, or less than the two touchdowns, what's the expectation then for a game like this? Like, I, I, I hype this up basically for myself of saying, you know, I want to see where, where they're at. Like, Boise State, if they played in the Pac-12, I think they'd be... Um, a seven or eight win program. I think they'd be yeah. kind of like a Utah. They'd be good, but they'd lose the big games, but they'd beat some of the lower level teams. I kind of want to see what they're like versus Boise State, but I'm I'm curious where an expectation is for them versus this team. Yeah. So what? Okay, Brandon. There's a question for you. What What would be a, su- a successful game in your mind? Mm, a success. Well, I mean, aside from a win. Well, besides, aside from a win, you lose by a touchdown or less. Okay. That's uh, fair. Ten, like even ten, like you're covering, which is great, but ten is still a two point, a two score game. Like you're still pretty good distance away from winning that thing. So if you're within a touchdown, if not less than that, uh, I think you did exactly what you needed to do, and you played much better offensively because as good as that team is, and they're loaded with receivers in uh, Spurbeck, you uh, talk McNichols is a is a really good running back out of the backfield. I mean, you talk about some of those names. Uh, they're, they're still a good team offensively. I think you played well defensively, and it tells me that maybe you got things going offensively, whether that's Garrettson lighting it up or more of a balanced attack, and you were able to finally establish some semblance of a run game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that was the other disappointment, I think, with Idaho State was Ryan Nall struggled. So he's going to have to have a big game. Not that he's going to run all over Boise State because he's not, but you know, I, I think we need to see more bubble screens from him possibly mm-hmm. some little screens um, they need to do some things to help open things up for the passing game how much did you look at uh, Ryan Nall and place it on him versus the offensive line I think a lot of it was the offensive line okay. a lot of it because Nall's putting a lot of it on himself you know I, I saw him stutter step a, a little bit I think I think Nall's at his best when he just takes it and goes um but I, the offensive line struggled some. I mean, I really didn't see them, you know, getting uh, winning many battles, to be completely honest. So um, it's going to be, you know, they're going to have to have a, a huge game as well. Well, and now it sounds like uh, I saw Kearsley was getting some looks at the center position over Yanni with the first unit. Um, we knew about the struggles in week one. I really am curious, though, where Gary Anderson how he feels about this unit in terms of how long he's going to allow it to go. Like if you start versus Boise State in the first half, you're getting skunked like 17 nothing. You're doing literally nothing on offense. You can't move the ball. Does does he make a move and say, you know what, we're going a different direction here? Or 
Is he willing to sit on this and allow this group to try to build some continuity in chemistry? I don't know. That's a huge question. Where would you place your money, though? I, you know, just watching kind of what Gary said, I could see him shaking things up. I, you know, the, the past staff, I think they would have rode things out, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Anderson and staff make changes. He was not happy last week after the game. Well, he shouldn't have been. I mean, it sounds so stupid to say out loud, but a 30-point win over against that team is, that. I mean, that's nowhere near the expectation. No, no. I mean, if this is year two, and this is the year that some people think maybe, hey, maybe you do take that bull step, or maybe you get close and you're the four, uh, maybe five-win program, you don't just win by 30. You win You win 53 to nothing. You win yes. 53 to seven. You know, and, and you don't get skunked on fourth and one against a big sky opponent. No, that shouldn't happen. And look, even with the touchdown, like I watched that play, it wasn't good. Oh, they couldn't tackle. Have you seen yeah. such a horrendous display of tackling ever? No, probably not in a while. <laughs> but look, that was the only score, though. Yes, that like, was the only score. I'll give the defense this. It wasn't great, but they lived up to their end of the bargain. Like they showed up, they executed, they basically stopped that team minus that one play. Yeah, exactly. The offense is the concern. And I'll be honest with you, didn't think that going into the year. It's not like I trusted the offensive line that much, but I thought they had the skill set, guys, to where this wasn't going to be a problem. Ryan Nall was going to be fine. Daryl Garrettson get the ball out of his hands. This offensive line's not good. Yeah, I, I think part of it, too, is just a matter of it clicking. You know, you have a guy like Blake Brandell at tackle. He's a redshirt freshman. So, you know, you kind of have to, and, and Yanni, you have to expect some mental mistakes. Yeah. It's just a matter of when that's all going to click. You know, when is it all going to click with them so some of those mental mistakes don't happen? You know, you mentioned the uh, the the uh, the game, too, and how they didn't look that crisp and they struggled. And how much do you think the bye week played into that? Of oh, I think it was huge. A week and a half off. I mean, that, it was the most horrendous timing for a bye week ever. Which is, you, oh, go ahead. You, you start getting you start getting momentum for the season. You play, you go on the road. You play Minnesota. You play them, play them tight, and then, oh, but now we get to go home and have a bye week. And when we come off that bye week, we're playing Idaho State. Yeah, it doesn't really inspire you to get too fired up. But I will say, at least they played Idaho State and didn't come off the bye week against Boise State. Yes, yes. And I, I that's what I'm curious about too. Is is kind of the growth. Because you take a week, a week and a half off. I remember talking to the old staff about this, of like timing of buys and the process of going through in that locker room and keeping kids, you know, focused and saying, "Look, don't don't let up. You, you got to go out here and you're gonna have a little rust." But you know, I always talk to them about that stuff because it always fascinates me of the way coaches prepare coming off of weeks like that. But. I maintain that's the stupidest place for a bye week. There's no chance I'd ever want my program in a week two to be on bye and then go 10 straight weeks, 11 straight weeks of just playing football. Uh, you're going to deal with injury, and it's going to be really tough to replace that given the lack of the depth that they really do have in so many positions. So I didn't like that to to begin with, but I do think the advantage, if there is anything from it being in week two, the way the schedule was set up is you get to play a cupcake, look like crap, still win by 30, and now you got a chance with a game under your belt with only a week to prepare for Boise State. I feel like that almost works in your favor because now you've refocused. Yeah, I mean, they, they know what they need to work on. They have probably got their butts chewed out a few times, 
and it's time to, you know, get serious. Or as Coach Anderson says, you know, what is it, big boy football. Yeah. What did you make of his punt return comments? <laughs> it's, it's like he read my mind. <laughs> what, what did he, he said, was it frightening? Petrifying. It was petrifying. petrifying. Yeah. Yeah, he says, we continue to do this. It's petrifying, and it's just going to kill us in the end. Yeah, no, it is. It's scary. So who do you think they put back there then? I want to see Bradford. Yeah. Or Paul Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've seen enough Victor Bolden to know that. I've seen, I've seen read that story too many times. I know how that's going to end. Uh, I don't. We think, talked about it last week, you know? It's just yeah. that, that unknown. I don't think Dockery can really do it. Like, give me Lucas, put Bradford back there, let one of the younger guys get that experience, and maybe you shape him into a pretty decent little special teams returner. Exactly. That's... That's what I would do. Um, if Oregon State's going to be close in this thing, what area do you think that they're going to win to keep them close, if not maybe pull an upset? I, I mean, I, it has to be in the trenches. I, I don't think that the offensive line will dominate. I would. I mean, they're going to have to hold their own, but we need to see a pass rush from the defense. We yeah. haven't seen much of that at all. Yeah. Well, and, and Boise State is a pass-happy team, too. Like, it's almost weird. Their their offense is the reverse of their defense. The defense is great at stopping the run, but they give up the pass. Their offense is terrible on the run, and they love to pass. Yeah. Um, so I'm 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 with you on that. I want to see the pass rush and how many times they can try to hit Rippin, uh, because this team is very very pass happy. Let me bring this up real quick. Uh, passing offense. Yeah, they're number one in the Mountain West. They're averaging 362 and a half yards. Uh, about 10 yards per attempt. Wow. Um, the rating, the quarterback rating has been 158. I mean, they, they've really lighted up. Now I know Washington state and UL Lafayette aren't necessarily juggernauts here by any measure, but yeah, still to have those kind of numbers, it, it tells you where their focus is at. They love the ripping kid and what they've seen from him. They just don't run the ball. Uh, no. I'm looking right now in the mountain West, and this is against teams like Wyoming Utah State, New Mexico, they're averaging the the fewest attempts per game, 64 rushes. Uh, or no, that's 64 for the season. For the season. Yeah, attempts per game, about 32, which that would put them second in the Mountain West. They're not a great running team. Yeah, yeah. So a pass rush is going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be everything. For me, it's the offensive line, though, for the Beavers. Yeah. Um. It, I expect the defense to give up some big plays, give up some points. I do maintain that I think Gary Anderson, this can be his Mike Riley game where people are maybe a little curious of where you're at and, well, how good are you really? And then a program like this comes in and you maybe win or you keep it close and people are like, okay, you're on the right track. I really want to see what Gary Anderson's able to do with that offensive line. Yeah. Especially being an ex-lineman himself. Yeah. That, now, I know he's the defensive line coach, but, you know, he's, he's got to have, have something up his, up his sleeve. I mean, I know it's not fair because T.J. Woods is the offensive line coach, but, you know, you're still the head coach, though. Like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. still your group. You're a lineman. You played center. Uh, I, I really want to see what he's going to be able to do or what their group is going to be able to do, given how much they struggled against Idaho State. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, trenches. Yeah, the trenches are going to be the big one for us. Um, trying to think. Do you want to do questions now? Yeah, let's do some questions. Let's do some damn questions. Let's 
see here. We need like a, a, a song for the damn questions. <laughs> We've got, we talked a little bit about the dumpster fire. Um, no, we, I, by the way, I don't think it's a dumpster fire. Why is it a dumpster fire? Yeah, it, I'm just with the... They're, JD on Twitter is worried that um, coaches are going to get hired away. I, I don't see that happening. Ooh, I'll tell you one coach, though. Uh, the only coach I'd worry about is Tinkle. Tinkle, yeah. Yeah, because I'll tell you right now, people people assume that you know Stanford thing it was whatever, but he's not going to leave till Trace leaves. Um, I have it on one hundred percent confirmation. He legitimately was close to bouncing for that job. Oh, I know. Yeah, I have authority to that for whatever quote. reason. Um, he almost like he was. I, it was basically explained to me he had one leg in the hot tub and he was about to sit down and just last minute. Everything got changed, and he scratched his mind on that one. But if anybody's going to get pulled and you worry about it, it's not Anderson. I worry about Tinkle. And then we've had a couple of people asking, do we think uh, Pat Casey? Free Hope Solo, is, is Pat Casey the one? that I just don't see it. I know there's been a, a big, you know, Twitter popular Pat Casey for the AD job, but I don't think he's that warm, fuzzy guy that's going to be out glad-handing. Ooh, you don't. I don't. Why don't do you think that? It. I mean, he does with baseball, but I just don't see him doing that football, and I don't know. Yeah, I guess the other part would be, do you really think he's done coaching? Yeah, well, exactly. So that's another... Yeah, I I tend to believe no. I think he still wants to coach for a few more years. I got lots of good ones here in Beaver Blitz here. Let's Seattle Beaver, C. Beaver, says, is the wide wide receiver coach... Brennan not getting it done, or are there other issues going on with why the wide receiver play has been so bad the past couple of years? Hmm. Are the wide receivers overhyped? Is it scheme, or is it O-line play trickling down to impact the QB wide receiver dynamic? Ooh. Um, um, okay, I, I'm assuming you have a pretty good opinion on this one. Um, look, the offensive line always plays a part. You need time, right? But here's my thing. I, I once had somebody that was coaching a very prominent program, defensive coordinator, and they were really struggling. They were getting lit up by teams they should have been beaten. Their boosters are pissed. I mean, this is one of the top programs in the country. And this coordinator's defense is getting lit up. And I had somebody that's very close to that person tell me, you know, they practice for that play like eight times in practice. And then, of course, in the game, the other team runs it and they get a touchdown. And it's like, at some point, I see where you're coming from. Like, the kid ultimately has... It's down to the kid to make the play, right? To be thinking right, hold on to the ball, etc. But you're the coach. I mean, you're the six-figure, you're the million-dollar coach. Like, if you don't execute and those kids consistently disappoint, that's on you as the coach. Even if you run it eight times, you clearly didn't run it enough to the point where they remembered that play. And I kind of see, I feel that way about this, about this question of wide receivers. These kids need to step up. They need to hold on to the ball better. They had a ton of drops against Minnesota. You need to do a better, uh, you need to do a better job of separation from the defensive backs. You have two wide receivers coaches, though. I mean, how many programs have two wideout coaches? So, yeah, it might not be fair, but I'm sorry, this isn't the business of fair. Those guys are six-figured employees. It's you're damn right. It's on the coaching staff. It's not just Brennan, by the way. That's unfair. It's Doug. It's um, Dave Baldwin and Brent Brennan. It's a tandem duo because there's an inside coach, there's an outside coach, and both areas are struggling right now. Yeah, and like you said, it's yes, the player has to make plays. And we actually got into this a couple years ago. Um, you know, you talk about it, and people are like, "Well, the coaching staff's not the problem." Well, 
something's not working with how they're coaching or how they're explaining it or, you know, some, there's a disconnect somewhere. So, or, or maybe they're not recruiting the right guys. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's always a possibility. But some other guys they've been recruiting for the staff are still so young. Yeah, no, exactly. So I, I, uh, for Sea Beaver on Beaver Blitz, I, I, I don't think you can really go there um, as far as, you know, the coach not getting it done, but maybe tweaking how they coach or how they explain things. And then, like I said, those, those kids just have to step up and make plays or they're going to find they're not playing. See, it's, I mean, a, it's a season. It's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough world, but, yeah. um, you know, just like a coach making six figures, these student-athletes are, are getting their, their schooling paid for and everything else. If somebody else can get it done, yeah, they'll get to look. You See, know, I, I tend to go the other way with that, though, of just saying, <clears throat> well, the whole student thing, the athlete education thing is a different conversation, but uh, it's more of a year valuation for me. Like, it's struggle right now, but let's see it down the road. Like, maybe they maybe they change it around and they get better. Uh, but if if we're going to be, and I'm not talking about just you and me, I'm talking about kind of the per, proverbial uh, we, you know? We, yeah. But if we are in the business of criticizing coaches and questioning them from certain staffs or certain teams or programs or whatever. We we can't be nitpicky here. No, uh, no. If 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 this was uh, if let's just see for example, if Riley staff, if this was a Riley staff and this was happening, people would be pissed. Like, why is this happening for Riley? Again, let this play out for the year for Oregon State. But if you also think that hey, they've sucked, that's on the coaches. I think that's a totally fair opinion to have. Uh, given kind of what their job is. Their job is to coach the wide receivers and have them to perform at top level. Uh, so far, they haven't done that. But let, I would say wait a little longer before we really have I think some of it could opinion. be some scheme. I mean, these, a lot of, you know, these guys were recruited under a, a different scheme. So, yeah, let the year play out. Let's see what happens um, and, and go from there. Here, uh, Wesley Butch, 14, says, will the run game finally get going this weekend? Um. Man, if you think that this game is going to be close, then there's probably an element of that of saying of saying that it's going to be better, right? I I think they have to open up the screens and yeah, and some of the you know short passing game. I've I've watched enough college and pro football. Like there are things, there are games that happen where yeah, people question that the quarterback, right? Oh, the quarterback's not good enough, and then the game plays out, and the quarterback just lights him up and has a great day. I remember this was uh, Alabama, Ohio State in the playoff two, three years ago. That was a convert. Oh, Alabama's two score favorites. They're going to eat them alive. They don't have the playmakers on Ohio State, and then they came out and they just got shredded by Cardell Jones. And it's funny because we've seen that in sports before. But there's one area that I actually think is legit in saying it's not a simple fix. It's not a simple one week they're bad, one week they're great. That's offensive line play. Uh, I think think they have huge concerns there, and I don't think it's going away this week. So I think even though I I have Oregon State being closer than two touchdowns, no, I I don't think they're going to establish the run. I think they're going to really struggle with that. I think Boise State has a good front seven, uh, and I would actually be really shocked if Oregon State gets over – 88 yards with any one player. I mean, minus the one big play. If some Victor Bolden play happens, okay. But consistently running the ball, I would be shocked if they'd allowed a 100-yard rusher. And and, and I, I kind of go back to then the wide receiver play. Again, it, it goes back to O-line. 
and, yeah. and just the, you know, the struggles there with pass protection as well. That's a huge problem for a lot of people, and I just don't think that's going to go away this weekend. Um, and then I have a, another one. C. Beaver asked, does Anderson seem to be fed up like a different thread in the lodge indicates? Do you think he's having second thoughts about taking the OSU re- rebuild? Oh, my gosh. If you've heard today his comments, he's, like, totally in. He talks about the new AD needs to be someone that sees us as a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, no. It's, I, I do think he has found a, a place that he really fits and, and likes this. You know, he, he knew spring ball of last year what he'd gotten himself into. You know, I uh, I built a deck this past summer in my backyard, and I'm not a handyman. Uh, I, I go to take my car to get an oil change. Like, I'm just not one of those guys that's good fixing things. And so, you know, I can watch all the YouTube videos I want. I can learn all the tricks of the trade. I know what to buy. But when it comes down to it, building a deck is not necessarily the easiest thing for somebody who has no experience doing it. And I look at it a lot of the same way that Anderson has this gig. You sign up to build a deck. You want to build a deck. You're going to finish a damn deck. But in the process, you are going to look pissed. You're going to look tired. You're going to look exhausted. You're going to question things. It doesn't mean that you still don't want to build a deck. You're going to swear some. You're going to drop some F-bombs. Like I don't think them sucking last year, not playing well against Idaho State, losing to Minnesota, the AD leaving... I don't think any of that is an indication that he is fed up or he is done. This guy left Madison, Wisconsin, which is a top 10 team right now. He came to Corvallis, Oregon two years ago. I don't think he made that choice just to make that choice. I think he made it for a very specific reason. He loves small college towns. He likes and building programs. He loves building programs. You worry when this program, if they become a 10-win uh, program and they're in that conversation in the Pac-12 ever, that's when I think you worry a little bit. Does he get complacent and say, oh, there's another program. I can do this. I'm still young enough. That's when you worry. Right now, he's going to look pissed. He lo- he wants to win. And part of establishing a winner, you've got to go through the ups. You've got to go through the downs. It's no different than building a deck. I was really pissed. I wanted to quit three different times. But I done? also love doing it, and I ended up finishing it. Yes. Nice. Nice. So I, I don't think there's any difference there. I think it's yeah. the exact same. Don't, a great analogy, Brandon Sprague. Well, don't read into uh, yeah, people. I mean, people get these comments and these facial reactions, and they they worry a little bit. And I think that was a good question by that listener. Uh, but I just want to reiterate, like I think this guy really is in it to build this up into a Pac-12 contender. Oh, but I, I mean, I remember the Riley talk. By the end of the year, you know, Riley was sometimes like really tired and dark circles under his eyes, and people were like, "Is Riley okay?" Is you know, same thing. Start looking tired. These guys don't have lives. Um, There's a reason Urban Meyer almost died. Like, these guys legitimately stay at their offices for 14 to 17 hours of a 24-hour day watching film, calling kids. And trying to figure out, yeah, how to to do it. Conversations. I'm going to change gears a little bit here because the podcast is going long. It is. You're short last week. We can do this. But I have one more question. I think it's it's good because I've seen it a lot today. Um, you know, uh, Nike has released the new duck costumes, uniforms for the weekend. <laughs> they're kind of costume-esque. I no, mean, they're trying this, to look like the duck. This was so a great topic on my radio show today. So, you know, they're adding orange. They've yep. already added black. And, you know, so Beaver fan gets a little touchy about that. But we've had, I've seen so many people on Twitter, but Ben on Twitter asked, how long until the bees can switch to Adidas? Now, I, I go back and forth here. I, I see the point, And I hear, I hear Beaver fan, you know, just, you know, you want to, 
go away from the, the one program, but I'm going to tell you, recruit like Nike. Maybe maybe you go to Under Armour. Maybe that is something you look at because I I don't know. I like I said I'm old. I I, I am I like to think I'm cool, but I know I'm not. Mm-hmm. But Under Armour seems to have a little more swag than Adidas does. But you know, Nike still has that draw to student athletes to the prospects recruiting. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, let me just throw the uh, throw this out there now for people who missed the radio show. The fact that the Ducks are wearing orange is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think it's an atrocity. I think it's an embarrassment. And I've talked to multiple former Duck players and alums. They cannot believe that they are actually watching their program put the color orange on. What's next is basically what's been told to me. Are they going to wear the color purple and gold? Like, trust me, there are a ton of Duck fans out there that are embarrassed by this. And I think if you're a Beaver fan, don't get mad. Just laugh about it. Be like, ah, okay. Oh, yeah. Way to way to follow suit and, and wear our team color for something that has no close to resemblance of any color you have. Uh, but I was talking to Andy Katz about the Phil Knight tournament today, uh-huh. and he dropped a couple good nuggets. The first one was in regards to Nike and Adidas. He said, if I were Oregon State, I'd go Adidas because you're always going to be second fiddle under that Nike umbrella. Uh-huh. I find it funny that we're so butthurt by Nike, but we're only butthurt by Nike when it's convenient for us. Yeah, exactly. Like, we yeah. didn't care about Nike until they released this jersey, or we didn't care about Nike until they didn't invite Oregon State to the Phil Knight basketball tournament. So the way I see it is Nike is always going to be the best People who tell you Adidas and Under Armour are coming, they're not even close. It's like it's it's like twenty billion to half a billion, if not a billion dollars. It's not even a close arms race there. Kids love Nike. The yeah. basketball unis are great. Phil Knight pays Pat Casey's salary. Who cares if you miss out on a couple things or that Oregon gets a million jerseys? You don't want to be that. You, yeah, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. You make fun of Oregon for that. You don't want to be that. So I think the relationship's just good with Nike. I, I think you leave it with Nike. You don't go Adidas. They go ugly unis. Oh, yeah. Under yeah. Armour, maybe, but they're in Portland. I just don't think an Oregon State wants to go away from Nike either. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I did like, tweet of the day came from Josh Wilcox, you know, former Duck great. Yeah, he was one of the people that I talked to. Oh, and, and so these, these, you know, uniforms actually on the collar say once a duck, always a duck. Yeah. And his tweet today, ironic part about Ducks Unis is it's football reunion weekend, and I'm pretty sure that those guys who were, quote, once a duck never wore orange. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they're they're just as fired up about it as Beaver fan. And, and people, you know, or cocky Oregon fan gets on like, oh, now we're going to be the team that wears orange and wins. And it's like, okay, haha, that's funny, but... Ultimately, you still have to deal with the fact that your team is wearing your freaking rival color. Colors, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So, no, that that was uh, the topics of the day. It was the topic of the day. It was funny. We really got into it on the radio program. There were a lot of Duck fans that didn't like my stance, and we're like, oh, it's no big deal, Sprague. And it's like, really? Why are you getting so mad about it then? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. And, by the way, the film night tournament thing, it, don't feel too slighted. It sucks. I get it. it re- it's brutal. It's not a good thing for, for Tinkle. He could have hyped to recruits, hey, we're playing North Carolina today or we're playing Michigan State. But Phil Knight's a, he's a grad of Stanford and Oregon. I mean, I, I don't know why people are so surprised by this. He's a grad. Andy Katz, by the way, also told me that, and he dropped this bomb, 
He says if Oregon State, if the the grad ties weren't there for Phil Knight, uh, he actually thinks Arizona would have invited over Oregon State because their basketball relationship with Nike uh, has gone on a lot longer than Oregon State's with Nike. So Beaver fan who looks at it and says, hey, we'd be in if it weren't for Stanford. Andy Katz is not so quick to point that out and say, yes, he actually thinks it'd be Arizona. But it's brutal. But I actually, but, but see, this is where I think a lot of maybe Beaver fans feel the biggest slight was that when you include the other, you know, Portland, Portland State, and Gonzaga. Yeah. Well, you like, have to, though. Those are Nike schools. Portland, Portland State are different conferences. They're only two a two-team conference or two teams per conference. So that's the rule, too, for people who haven't read or seen. Okay, the two. Okay. So gotcha. every conference has two teams. Uh, Portland, Gonzaga are the big sky. Portland State's in it, and I can't remember if there's another program that's uh, in the in – the, uh, or no, Portland and Gonzaga are in the WCC, Portland State in the big sky. But like Carolina Duke – you can have two teams per conference in these tourneys, but the crux is they can't play each other. So it's going to be two eight-team tournaments that go back and forth from both venues, but like Carolina and Duke, they'll never play each other. Stanford, Oregon won't play each other. So even if you missed out, it's not like you were going to have a chance to go beat your rivals. So yeah, yeah. two teams per conference were allowed, but they can't play each other. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. No, it's not that big a deal at all. Um, let's do score predictions. We're running a little long with the podcast today, but uh, hey, that's good news for listeners out there. Score predictions, how it plays out on Saturday. What do you got, Brandon? So I've really been thinking about this game, and I've kind of gone back and forth. Like, I could see blowout. I could see close. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they found a way to win. We've seen it before in Research Stadium. It can get crazy. I think this is the perfect time for a family uh, in terms of a kickoff, noon, um, I think this is going to be a, about a touchdown game. Um, Boise State is the better team at this point. Offensive lines are serious concerns. But Daryl Garrettson, I, I, I really want to see it from him. I know the offensive line can dictate this a little bit. I really want to see him be able to pass. Boise State's not a good secondary team, uh, which is why I think Oregon State's going to be able to put some points on the board. But ultimately, I think Boise State is going to win... I'll say 34 to, uh, I'll say 27. Oh, so you're keeping it close. I, I, I was, I I was going to go 31-21 is where I was. 31-21 is pretty good. I could see that. So that's, I, I'm looking, we, we do our staff predictions on Beaver Blitz. Yeah. And they are kind of running that uh, 31-17. There's a 31-14. There's a 31-27. Does anybody have a win? No, not that I've seen so far, but I'm still wow. waiting for a couple more people. Kind of surprised by that. Big recruiting weekend. I will get that in really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah get that um, in. Couple, couple recruits. Big D tackle out of Georgia's coming up by the name of Jamal Winter. Ooh. Winter is coming for any of you Game of Thrones <laughs> people. Um, and then a couple Washington State commits. Tayari Venable is a three-star cornerback out of Rancho Cucamonga. And a three-star safety, Charles Moku Watson out of Hawaii is making the trip. He's actually on his way here probably in about an hour. He'll be flying out. So he'll be coming out Thursday night to, to Saturday night. But um, those are the three big ones that will be coming, official visitors. And then Beavers will have another big recruiting weekend for Cal. There we go. That's good news. That's great news for your fans right now. Are they doing good on that recruiting trail? Yeah, yeah. They, they picked up a commitment wide receiver last on Sunday. So um, after the game, a kid out of uh, 
Notre Dame, Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks, California. Big kid, 6'5", 200-pound receiver. Um, Tyler Asamoda is his name. So, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. All right, good news. Uh, so, me and Angie have Oregon State losing to Boise State. We, uh, we have it kind of relatively close, closer than Vegas thinks it is. Uh, it's a big game. We'll see what Gary Anderson and that uh, that team have ready for the Broncos coming into Corvallis. If you're going down, everybody drive safe. Don't give Boise fans too much crap. You know you can you can jeer them a little bit, but don't uh, don't don't try to get them give them a bad experience at Research Stadium. Uh, be classy, I, Beaver fans. Yeah, be classy. classy. If there's anything I learned from Nebraska, being classy. It just works out better for you. You can win, and you can just pat them on the back and say, hey, you guys played a hell of a game. That's what Nebraska fans do. So uh, take a note from that one. Have a good time. Everybody be safe. Hope for a really close game. Uh, And we'll be back next week to break down this one and get ready for the Colorado matchup. You've been listening to The Damn Podcast. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to The Damn Podcast. I just wanted to say real quick, me and Angie haven't talked about this. We've gotten over, on average, about 1,000 listens per podcast. It's been a great season for us thus far. We thank you a ton for listening. Please go on to iTunes if you haven't subscribed yet. Subscribe. And also, please five-star our stuff. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the podcast thus far. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. Thank you for listening.